Hi guys, this is so crazy. I never like in a million years thought that I would be on stage talking and giving like an actual message. So give me a second, let me get my pink iPad set up. Um, I think that there is some, some sort of power in the color pink. Maddie would agree. Um, so like Kobe said, um, I'm going to be closing out our series on the pursuit of more. And I'm going to be talking to you guys about um, the pursuit of approval, whether that be the um, approval of other people or people around you. Um, but before I get into that, um, I just want to tell you guys a little bit about myself. Um, so my name is Paris and I'm a junior in college. I go to school with Judah at Hope International University. Um, if you've never heard of it, that's fine. There's literally like 50 people that go there. So um, yeah, that's me. Um, I'm on the, my school's stunt team. So if you don't know what that is, I would love to explain it to you, but it would take me like forever to get all the rules and stuff across. So it's like cheer, but yeah, that's me doing my thing. Um, and I'm studying psychology um, at my school with a focus in child and adolescent development. Um, and because my school is a Christian school, I'm also getting my minor in biblical studies. Um, what am I going to do with my degree? I don't know yet, but we're going to figure it out because that's what adults do. Um, so my family, I'm the oldest of five kids. Um, I'm Noah's older sister. I have three other younger brothers, um, plus Noah, so four. Um, and I'm a PK. If you've seen my dad, he's the pastor of our Brea campus. Um, so I was literally born and raised in the church. Um, there was like not a day like at all. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I was like at the church in the office with my parents all the time. I was there. They literally worked at most of the churches that we had attended when I was growing up. So um, I was literally there all the time. I was pretty much like Ayla of CY, but at my parents' church. Um, so yeah, we went to that church for a while. We moved churches. We bounced around here and there. Um, and then when I was in roughly the seventh grade, um, <laughs> I, we switched to a church in Fullerton. And um, you guys, the seventh grade was hard, okay? The seventh grade, you're going through a lot. You... Um, yeah. It's a humbling experience to say the very least. Okay. Um, that was me in the seventh grade. That's what I looked like. Um, take your pictures of it now because we're going to take it off the screen as soon as possible. Um, so we switched churches when I was in the seventh grade. So when you look like that and you're in the seventh grade, it's like already hard to make friends. Um, and so um, the church we were going to was so small, like like probably the amount of people in this room or less was the entire church. And so I had made friends with one of the girls at our church and we're still good friends to this day. And we were like, you know what? There's no youth group here. We're not super connected with anyone else our age aside from people that we go to school with. So we're just gonna go to this other youth group down the street and we're gonna test it out. And if we like it, like we'll stay. So we started going to this youth group and it was not the best experience. Um, if you've ever gone to um, school with people who've been going to school together since like preschool, um, or even going to church with people that like have been like friends since they were super little, it's hard. It gets really clicky um, and you kind of don't feel as welcome as you would like to. 
Um, and so going to that church, it was like really hard to get connected, um, but we stuck around. We're like, hey, it's, it'll work itself out. Um, and so it was, it was not a great fit. And there was this one group of girls at this church who um, made it like extra difficult for anybody to feel like they fit in or they belonged. Um, and so we were like, it's okay. Like, we're just going to ignore it. We'll sweep it under the rug. Not going to really deal with it. And then as time got on, as we got older, it like was actually really hard to deal with it because we would go to this church and all of the people in the church would literally be like, while we're like trying to hang out with them. And so that was like kind of what started this like journey for me of chasing the approval of other people was I was so concerned with like the fact that these other girls in the youth group were just not wanting to be friends with anyone else. They weren't included in anything. And so that was what kind of started this like crazy path um, that I started to go down. So if you have your Bibles or you have the Bible app on your phone, we're going to be reading a passage in Luke chapter 8 verse 43. So if we can get that up on the screen, perfect. Okay. So this says a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding and she could find no cure. So because I'm getting my minor in biblical studies, I was like, Hey, I can explain what's going on in this text to you guys. And I thought that that would be helpful. So this woman has some sort of health issue that she's dealing with. The Bible doesn't say where she's bleeding from. It could be her mouth, her arm, her leg. We have no idea. So she's bleeding and there's no cure for whatever health condition she has. So she's probably cast out from her community, from her society. She doesn't belong there, which I didn't have a health issue, but you guys saw what I looked like in seventh grade. So I did not fit in with these other girls at church. Um, and so that's probably this woman had this condition. She didn't fit in. She didn't belong. The people of her city actually probably didn't want her around them. They wanted nothing to do with her. They thought that she was like spiritually unclean, dirty, just not at all. They didn't want her around. So verse 44 says, coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe and immediately the bleeding stopped. Verse 45, who touched me? Jesus asked. Everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, someone deliberately touched me for I, help, for I felt healing power go out from me. So let's pause there again. So this woman just touched Jesus. Normally, because she's considered unclean, anything that she touches, whether it be her food, her house, her sleeping mat, her clothes, anything that she would have touched would be considered unclean and not just like, oh, it's okay, we'll just wash it off and we're going to deal with it later. Like, I'm talking like, get it out of my sight, I don't want it anywhere near me. Kind of like the cheese touch. If you guys played the cheese touch from Diary of a Wimpy Kid, it's like that, but like the concept of being unclean. So... This woman touches Jesus and that's a big deal. So then she's healed and her bleeding completely stops from this condition that she'd had. And Jesus is like, whoa, someone touched me. And this lady barely touched the edge of his robe. So that's like someone touching like the very hem of your clothing. Um, and so he probably didn't feel like a tug on his arm or someone poking him or tapping him or coming up behind him. He just felt the power of healing leave his body. And he turned around and he's like, whoa, somebody just touched me. And then Peter's like, yeah, hello. There's this whole crowd right behind you that's following you. So 
that is this crazy like instance of this woman, she gets healed. And then we read verse 47 and it says, when the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. So that's actually crazy because it says she turned and she fell to her knees and now she's shaking in front of Jesus and she's like probably having some sort of panic attack. She's nervous. She's scared, but not likely because she's healed. It was probably because she was considered so unclean that the people that were following Jesus in this crowd could have killed her just for touching Jesus. They could have killed her for just walking into the gates of her city. Um, so she's not even supposed to be here. She's not even supposed to be around them. She's not supposed to be in their space. She's not supposed to be in their area. And she literally just touched the son of God who's on his way to go heal someone else. So it's, it's a big deal. So she's scared. And at this point, she's probably thinking like, I'm either going to go to Jesus and I'm going to get healed or I'm going to die trying. She, there, this was all that was left for her. She had no choice but to go find Jesus and to be healed. And then, so she's scared, she's trembling. And in verse 48, Jesus looks at her and he says, daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well, go in peace. So not only is Jesus not bothered that this woman who was unclean touched him, but he looks at her, he turns around and he calls her daughter. And normally strangers don't just call you daughter. That's like something your family calls you or your parents call you. Um, so he like immediately gives her this reassurance of like community, which is probably something she was lacking and says that because of her faith that she's been healed. So this woman's need for healing and wholeness caused her to go to a place where she could have died, she could have been ridiculed, she could have been made fun of, people were probably talking about her, but she stepped outside of her comfort zone and she went straight to the feet of Jesus and she touched him and then she didn't have to deal with this horrible disease that she'd been dealing with for her whole life. And Jesus knew that this woman had been experiencing this pain and not just from her physical wounds, but she was also experiencing lack of community. She was pushed out. She was alone. She, she needed to be made whole and renewed. And so have you, have you ever been in a situation where you were just so desperate for community or God or healing or wholeness that you just like, you know what, I'm done. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I'm going to go do this thing. And I know that it's going to be glorifying to God no matter what. Or have you ever been so broken that you just don't know where to go or who to, tur or who to turn to? And so I just want you to think about that for a second and kind of reflect on a situation that you've been in where maybe you like were not sure who to go to or what to do. And I want you to think about what got you to that place. Like what got you to a place where you just didn't know what to do next? You didn't know who to go to. You didn't know who to ask questions to. You didn't know anything. And you're, you're in this place of loneliness and, and suffering and pain, and you just have nobody to go to. Um, so for me, when I got to that sort of place of self-reflection, 
um, I was like, dang, I have been so worried about what other people think of me that I have caused so much other brokenness in my life. And it was, for me, it was doing all the things that my friends at school were doing. I went to a high school where there were not a lot of people who were super um, open to talking about their faith. Um, There weren't a lot of people who fit in with me and my community. And so it was something that I just kind of pushed aside. I was like, yeah, Jesus, I know who you are. I know all about you, but I'm just going to kind of deal with that on Sundays at church. I'm not going to really think about it right now. And so I was um, chasing after things that my friends were doing, whether that was like the attention of a guy or the attention of my other friends. Um, And so I was doing a lot of things that I shouldn't have been doing. I was going to a lot of places I probably shouldn't have been going. And it was this craving for the approval of other people that had got me to that situation in the first place. Um, So living this um, kind of double life had eventually turned into me living one life at church and one life at school and one life at home and one life with my friends and one life on my team. And so I have all seven of these different personalities and stories that I have to try to keep up with. And it was so exhausting. Like there was never a break for me. I was like, trying to keep up with all these lies that I had pushed on myself. And so I was just at this point where I just couldn't deal with it anymore. And I was so broken inside that I just couldn't handle all of these things that I had created and this lie, this narrative that I had told myself of like, oh yeah, it's fine, Jesus. Like, I believe in you and I love you, but I don't, I don't really want to deal with that right now because I want to go do what all my friends at school are doing. I want to go hang out at this party with all my friends that they're going to because that seems way more fun. So eventually, because of all of these different personalities and like lives that I'm trying to keep up with, I kind of became like this woman in the story. I was kind of feeling alone. I didn't really have a great community of people around me. I maybe had like two or three close friends that I would talk to every now and then, but it's not like, you know, we were like this or anything. It was kind of just like, hey, what's up? How you been? Cool, wanna hang out? Yeah, sure. And then we never made plans. Um, And so I had eventually just needed to let go of all of this pain that I had been feeling and I just was like, you know what, I'm done. I'm gonna just lay everything out on the table. I'm just gonna tell everyone everything and it's gonna be fine. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna deal with the consequences cause that's what happens. And I kind of sat in that for a while. Like I was pushing my relationship with Jesus off, but then this like whole coming to like a place where I just like needed healing. I was like, no, it's fine. I'm going to deal with it later. It's okay. I don't have to think about it right now. Like I was like, oh, I'm going to go have fun and it's going to be great. And I don't really have to deal with it. But then when I get home and I'm by myself and I feel God on my heart, who's like, girl, you messed up. And I'm like, no, it's fine. Like, and trying to kind of push that aside and not think about it and not deal with it was just weighing on me. So I eventually just was like, okay, I'm doing it and I have to do it now or I'm never gonna do it. And so I had to sit down with a lot of people and have a lot of really hard conversations. And it was not easy at all. It was really, really hard. 
And so now I'm like, cool, God, thanks. Um, I feel so much better after I just basically told everyone in my whole life that I'd been lying to all of them for forever. Like, I feel so whole and my community is so awesome now. Um, But what I actually found was that there was no way that the life that I was living, the lies that I had been telling myself, the lies I had been telling other people, that life was never going to get me closer to seeing the, the light that God had in store for me, the life that Jesus had planned for me. That was just taking me farther and farther down this other path where I was like, oh, Jesus, bye, see you later, I'll see you Sunday, okay, cool. And I was not like, I didn't see it. I was like, I can deal with it later. My relationship with God's gonna happen at some point, but really, where was it? I'm not doing anything to try to make myself better or try to see Jesus. I'm not trying to build a relationship with him. I'm going home, I'm scrolling TikTok for two and a half hours, and then I'm knocking out in my bed and going to sleep. There was no way that that lifestyle was going to get me to where I wanted to be. And so for me, I had to let go of all of this, this, um, this frustration and this emptiness and this longing for what I wanted. I had to let go of chasing after the approval of other people in order to see the life that God had in store for me. So I want to ask you, what are you holding on to that's, that's preventing you from chasing after the approval of God? What's going on in your life that's making it harder for you to fully see what God has in store for you and to just dive into the relationship that God has planned for you? Um, For me, like I said, it started with chasing after the approval of other people. Um, For you, it could be lying. It could be going places you shouldn't be. It could be looking at stuff on your phone that you know you shouldn't be looking at. It's all the things that you're doing when nobody else is around and you're like, hey, Jesus, yeah, that's cool. See you Sunday. And all the things that you're like, oh, yeah, like this is so fun and so awesome and it's so fulfilling and I'm having the best life ever. It really is it really gonna make you feel that much better tomorrow morning when you're like, your mom is like, hey, where were you? And you're like, oh, I was just with my friends. It's fine, everything's fine. So I just wanted to kind of encourage you guys to not let whatever this thing that you're chasing after come back and whack you in the back of the head and tell you to wake up. You don't want to get to a point in your life where you're like, oh, shoot. I messed up and everybody knows it. I want to encourage you to step out and take ownership of the mistakes you've made because what I found was the community that I had at church, and for me that community was here at Crosspoint eventually, but the community that you have here, the leaders that you have here are some of the best community that you could have to kind of surround you in these moments of like grief and of needing, of longing. When you open up to other people and you step into this kind of conviction of God telling you, you need to wake up and you need to, you need to get to this place where you need to be better. 
you need to chase after me. You need to, you need to read your Bible. You need to wake up and instead of turning on your radio and listening to whatever bad rap song is on the radio, I want you to just play worship music and I want you to hear what I have to say to you. Because what's really going on is Jesus is standing there, right? And you're on this path over here doing whatever the heck you want to do. And God is standing here and he has open arms and he's standing there and he's looking at you and he's saying, my daughter, my son, you need to come to me. You need to turn your life around. You need to bring it to me. You can't just keep waiting for, for your last time. You're, oh, it's okay. Like Saturday is going to be the last day that I go out and party with my friends. No, don't do that. Give it up. I promise you that whatever God has in store for you is 10 times, 100 times. It's it's impossibly comparable because it's so much better than whatever you're trying to hold on to and it's dragging you down. You need to let go of it. So as I finish up tonight, I just wanted to remind you guys that every leader in this room has been in your shoes. We've all been in high school. We've been in junior high. You guys saw, you know I've been in junior high. It is hard and we've all been there. And so whether you want to believe it or not, we're really not, okay, some of us, yeah, but I'm not that much older than you. Um, there's a lot of leaders in here that aren't that much older than you guys. We know how it feels to be in your shoes. We know what it feels like to, to be in high school and have it be hard. So whoever your leader is, whoever you feel like you want to connect with, tonight you just need to let go of whatever that thing is. You can't give yourself one more time because if you're like me, you're gonna keep saying, oh, it's fine, one more day, one more day, one more minute, one more hour, one more time, whatever it is, and you're just gonna keep pushing it off. You're never gonna let go of it. And you can pretend like you're gonna let go of it. You can, you can act on Sunday nights like, oh, I'm the best Christian in the whole wide world. I read my Bible, I do my devotional, I pray every morning. But what's really going on in your heart that you need to let go of to allow God into your heart fully to, to let you be the best person that you can be, that God is calling you to be. So tonight, either during worship or during groups or after groups, I, you have to let go. I'm, I'm just to put it bluntly, you have to say no, you're done. You have to tell the sin to get out of your life because in reality, that sin has no place holding this hole in your heart open to or hold, filling this hole in your heart where you should be filling it in with God. There, there's, no, there's no reason why you shouldn't just let it go. So I just want you guys to sit with that tonight and kind of think about that some more. Um, and so as we go into our next few worship songs, I just want you guys to really think about what's God putting on your heart to let go of that you need to start filling that space in your heart with Him. So if you would just bow your heads with me, I wanna pray. Dear God, I thank you for bringing every student in this place here tonight. I pray that you um, are able to open our hearts, God, and our minds. Um, I pray that you're able to speak to us tonight, God, as um, we head into groups and we um, do our last few worship songs. I pray that you're present here, God, and that you're already filling up this place. And I just wanted to... Thank you for bringing all these kids here, God, and for the leaders that love all of them so much. And 
I just pray that um, as we go home tonight, that you would just be with us as some students here might be making decisions um, to let go of things that you've been asking them to let go of for so long. Um, and so I just want us to be able to be free here, God, and give our hearts um, to you. And in your name we pray, amen.